Welcome to another edition of the Bible in the News. This is John Billington with you this week. The Daily Mail ran the headline, Trump Quake, and called it a seismic election, creating shockwaves on both sides of the Atlantic. Well, it may be a shock to America, to Europe, and really the entire world, but in Israel, a Trump presidency may be the most earth-shattering. The book of Daniel, chapter 4 and 17 Uh, In there we read, The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. There are times that God allows a leader to have power, because it's what the people want, and honestly deserve. And we can think of Saul in this light in the Old Testament. But there are also times when God puts in power those that will accomplish his purpose. At the times of Ezra and Nehemiah, it's truly amazing how God uses not one, but a number of foreign rulers to accomplish the restoration of his people, along with the temple and, of course, the building of the wall in Jerusalem. This, of course, started with Cyrus, who God calls his anointed in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 1. If we go through those chapters in Ezra and Nehemiah, It's not a small amount of help that's given to the Jews at that time. It's actually incredible. And at the time of Darius in Ezra chapter 6, he makes a decree that whoever tries to change his word on the rebuilding would be pulled from their house and the house would be made into a dunghill. And the Jews, if we think back, they needed this help. How would a small number of captives be able to return and build their city with the opposition that faced them? Unless, of course, they had the rulers on their side. Now, when we come to the greater restoration that we have seen in the last hundred plus years of the Jews going back to their homeland, when we look at the prophecies, God said that again he would use another nation at that time. This time it would be Tarshish. Isaiah 60 in verse 9 says, Surely the isles shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish first to bring thy sons from far. Tarshish is, without a doubt, the nation of Britain, and you can look back into past issues of the Bible magazine to see this under the archives page. But when we come to Ezekiel chapter 38, we see Tarshish in the latter days, but not on her own, with her young lions. A few months ago on this program, we looked specifically at the position of America in Bible prophecy and how she would fit into those young lions as Britain's first offspring to leave the nest, although with a rather ugly parting. I mean, the the British came back in the War of 1812 and burnt the White House and the Capitol. So it was certainly an ugly parting. But in time, it's shown that both Britain and the United States have many of the same characteristics and ideals. This is to be uh, expected, because really, when you look at the level of influence, the incredible level of influence that the Bible has had on both countries. This is, um, of course, true of other nations, but specifically in those two for for our Bible in the News today, the level that the the English Bible, the level of effect that the English Bible had on those those nations is, is, was huge and is still continuing to this day as we will talk about. Because what's most interesting is that for the Puritans that came over, it was to escape the power of the Church of England. In the New World, the Puritans were able to worship unmolested and with freedom. And in fact, the first book printed in British North America it was the Bay of Psalms book. 
and was a translation that was made to be closer to the original Hebrew. Well, it is in this new world where believers strove for a more pure and undefiled serving of God that the influence of the scriptures is still considerable. And here's where things get interesting. Because we have just witnessed the election of the 45th President of the United States, an election where rural America rose up decisively and voted for Donald Trump. Among evangelical voters, it's said that 81% voted for Trump. Many would see this as hypocritical because of some of the things he said and some of what's gone on. However, on many issues that Trump... um, uh, on the people voted for, Trump was much closer to Clinton uh, with the, as far as their values were concerned. And this was certainly the case uh, with abortion. That one's very clear, and many people are actually a one-issue voter on that. But if anybody was voting on the, on the issue of Israel, Trump certainly stood out. How much that's a factor in voting, I have no idea. But on that issue, Trump certainly stood out. This was a speech that he gave to APEC, back, uh, I believe, in the, about, it was in the summer, and it's, this is an excerpt from Trump's speech uh, at that time. Good evening. Thank you very much. I speak to you today as a lifelong supporter and true friend of Israel. I'm a newcomer to politics, but not to backing the Jewish state. When I'm president, believe me, I will veto any attempt by the UN to impose its will on the Jewish state. It will be vetoed 100%. Israel has been trying to sit down at the negotiating table without preconditions for years. You had Camp David in 2000, where Prime Minister Barack made an incredible offer, maybe even too generous. Arafat rejected it. In 2008, Prime Minister Omer made an equally generous offer. The Palestinian Authority rejected it also. Then John Kerry tried to come up with a framework and Abbas didn't even respond, not even to the Secretary of State of the United States of America. They didn't even respond. When I become president, the days of treating Israel like a second-class citizen will end on day one. Thank you. And when I say something, I mean it. I mean it. I will meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu immediately. I have known him for many years and will be able to work closely together to help bring stability and peace to Israel and to the entire region. Meanwhile, every single day, you have rampant incitement and children being taught to hate Israel and to hate the Jews. It has to stop. There is no moral equivalency. Israel does not name public squares after terrorists. 
Israel does not pay its children to stab random Palestinians. You see, what President Obama gets wrong about deal-making is that he constantly applies pressure to our friends and rewards our enemies. We will move the American embassy to the eternal capital of the Jewish people, Jerusalem. And we will send a clear signal that there is no daylight between America and our most reliable ally, the State of Israel. The Palestinians must come to the table knowing that the bond between the United States and Israel is absolutely, totally unbreakable. They must come to the table willing and able to stop the terror being committed on a daily basis against Israel. They must do that. And they must come to the table willing to accept that Israel is a Jewish state and it will forever exist as a Jewish state. I love the people in this room. I love Israel. I love Israel. I've been with Israel so long in terms of I've received some of my greatest honors from Israel. My father before me, incredible. My daughter Ivanka is about to have a beautiful Jewish baby. In fact, it could be happening right now, which would be very nice as far as I'm concerned. So I want to thank you very much. This has been a truly great honor. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. Words like this have never been heard from a presidential nominee before, or certainly not as a president. And it will be certainly extremely interesting to see what Trump as a president does as far as Israel is concerned. Although, if I'm honest, even if he does half of what he's promised, it would still be monumental. And since he has been elected, it's come out, actually, that in the 1980s, when there was the evacuations of Jewish settlements from the Sinai, and in 2005, with the evacuation of settlements from Gaza, in both cases, Donald Trump gave money to rehome those those, uh, settlers. So, these are things... I certainly didn't know before, but as you step back, there's one thing we can say, and that is, things are going to be different. And of course, the question will be how different, and only time will tell. But the next person we're going to hear from is actually Trump's campaign manager, and he was chosen by Trump, he was not a politician, but he was chosen by Trump because... He knew that, and his name is David Friedman, he knew that David was a um, lover of Israel. 
And David Friedman himself, actually, for those that follow Eretz Sheva or Israel National News, may know David Friedman because he was a contributor uh, to that uh, website, uh, to that news organization, which is the news organization of of the uh, of the settlers. So, and he himself actually has built um, uh, part of the high school in Bethel, or as they say in Israel, Bethel, and with his own uh, with his own money and dedicated it to his mother and father. So, uh, and his wife's mother and father. So it's incredible to think that these type of people could actually be moving to uh, positions of power uh, in the United States, and the results of which, well. Time will tell, as I say. But listen to uh, David Friedman as he speaks about um, Donald Trump and his um, ideas with what he wanted to do with the party as far as Israel is concerned. You know, I've known Donald Trump for about 15 years and have worked closely with him uh, more in a business capacity than anything else. But over the course of our friendship, he has come to know that I have a you know deep, deep and passionate uh, desire to support the state of Israel. Um, when he became the presumptive nominee, uh, he approached me, and what he said to me is, he said, David, I want to be a very pro-Israel candidate. I want to be the most pro-Israel candidate that this nation has seen, and I want you to help me do that, because you have a more detailed and comprehensive view of Israel in the Middle East. And so that was that was my mandate to start with. It was an instruction from Donald Trump to help design a policy that was as pro-Israel as possible. And, you know, I think if you look um, not only at you know Mr. Trump's comments and if you look at the 16-point platform that we put out, but I think if you start off by looking at the Republican platform that was uh, adopted by the Republican Party over the summer, what you see is the single most pro-Israel platform of either party in the history of this country. And um, we're all very proud of that, because none of that would would have gotten done without the support of Mr. Trump. And I can tell you that when that plank of the platform was passed uh, over the summer, uh, it was passed unanimously by the platform committee, and it was the only plank of the platform that caused the Republican uh, delegate members, the delegate committee, to get up and clap. Uh, They gave a standing ovation to the platform. And in fact, um, I saw tears in the eyes of uh, many of the delegate members. So um, what I the point I want to make is, you know, not only is Donald Trump a pro-Israel candidate candidate, I think the most pro-Israel candidate in the history, as I said, of either party, but he has brought along the party. Uh, so that it's not just the commitment of an individual, it's the commitment of an entire political party to support the state of Israel uh, in ways that, frankly, Israel has never seen support from this country before. So I think you'll agree with me, this is certainly uncharted territory as far as U.S.-Israeli relations is concerned. But the truth is, as we start to see the Trump administration take, take form, but there's other characters that are starting to come out as well. And you st- honestly, I started to think, how many friends of Israel can you have in the government? You know, how, you know when it was in 1917 when the um, Balfour Declaration was um, given as far in, in Britain, as far as Palestine was concerned, 
there was an unprecedented um, cabinet that was in the UK, and you had President Wilson in the US, and all these people aligned, and it was just a just a just a moment in time when something like the Balfour Declaration could be given and could get approval. And it, I can't help but thinking now, what is God doing, and and how is God moving these nations? Because when God wants something to happen, we can expect it to happen, and of course He will put people in power that will do it. And so as we look at the rest of the administration. There is going to be other people that will be equally, uh, I think, um, incredible characters that come out of this. One of them is going to be uh, the vice president, who has now um, been declared as uh, Mike Pence. And the following is a note that he sent to uh, Israel for uh, an event that they had there and he couldn't attend. And so he did a recorded uh, speech and sent it to them. And this is an uh, excerpt from that speech. Shalom, Israel Republicans. I'm Governor Mike Pence. It's a great honor for Donald Trump and I to stand together with you tonight in support of Israel. And I'm deeply humbled to be speaking to you at this historic time and with all of you there in that special holy place of Jerusalem, the eternal home of the Jewish people. Over the course of this campaign, many people have asked me why our ticket stands so strongly with Israel. Donald Trump and I stand with Israel Because Israel's fight is our fight. Because Israel's cause is our cause. We stand with Israel for the same reasons good people everywhere stand with Israel. We stand with Israel because her cause is just. Because her values are our values. And because her fate is our fate. Israel is not just our strongest ally in the region. As I've said for so many years, Israel is our most cherished ally in the world. We'll hear a little something else from Mike Pence in a minute, but really the issue that is of maybe of greatest importance but of high importance as far as Israel is concerned and the prophecies, the question is in Ezekiel 38 we have a picture of peace and the Obama administration has made that peace uh, dependent on the stopping of settlements. Uh, the stopping of building, and really the two-state solution, as it's called, which is truly no solution when it, as far as the prophecy is concerned, because you can't have Jews being moved out of the West Bank and out of the mountains of Israel when they specifically say that they will be there. So really, when the rubber meets the road, what are you going to do with the settlements, and how is this administration going to deal with that issue? And this is, of course, what is most interesting and exciting, but we'll let David Friedman speak to that uh, somewhat. And this was, again, Trump's um, advisor on Israel that he had during the campaign. One of the things the platform says, which I think is absolutely different, um, I'm sorry, absolutely different from every prior uh, presidential candidate or, or president, the platform rejects the notion that Israel is an occupier with regard to Judea and Samaria. No other president or presidential candidate has ever said that. And that's important because when the Israelis and the Palestinians sit down, if they ever do, if they're able to find common ground, it has to be on the basis that both sides have competing rights to this land and that somehow those rights are going to be compromised in a way that respects the mutual claims to sovereignty. Uh, What the Obama administration, and frankly, the Bush administration as well, 
have said in the past is that this land is held by Israel against international law. Now, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I've looked at this issue, as of many others. Um, that's far from uh, certain. I mean, let's let's be clear about this. The West Bank was captured by Israel from Jordan in a defensive war, and the Jordanians have renounced any claim to that land. So the idea that somehow Israel is occupying land from a prior nation when the prior nation doesn't want it back, I think is a, is a, is a terrible misstatement of the law. And for some reason, uh, Bush, Obama, Clinton, and others have all clung to this erroneous uh, viewpoint. Um, we're not taking that view. We're taking the view that the Israelis have just as much right, if not a much greater right, to Judea and Samaria as the Palestinians. And when they sit down and talk to each other, it'll be on that basis. Um, uh, that, I think, is, uh, is frankly a unique position of Donald Trump and one which we're very proud of. And the truth is, it's not just David Friedman that feels this way on some of these issues. Um, there's also the gentleman by the name of Newt Gingrich, and he's been reported now to have a powerful new position under Trump, and they are calling him the chief planner. And what an incredible thing that is, that you would have somebody with views like this as the chief planner for the new administration coming in. And it certainly does herald a time of change. But we'll let uh, Newt uh, speak on some of these uh, issues. It's just a short clip as far as the Palestinian people themselves are concerned. And just for the record, this is a from a debate between Romney and Newt for the primaries uh, back for the 2012 election. The fact is, the Palestinian claim to a right of return is based on a historically false story. Somebody ought to have the courage to go all the way back to the 1921 League of Nations mandate for a Jewish homeland, point out the context in which Israel came into existence, and Palestinian did not become a common term until after 1977. This is a propaganda war in which our side refuses to engage, and we refuse to tell the truth while the other side lies, and you're not going to win in the long run if you're afraid to stand firm and stand for the truth. Well, there's one thing we can be certain of, and that is that this is going to certainly bring the things of Zion to the fore in world events, as if they weren't already. And this burdensome stone of Jerusalem, as the prophecies call it, is certainly going to be burdensome a little longer. But will peace actually come? Now, of course, when we say peace, we mean the peace that is in Ezekiel 38, which is not a true peace, because during that time, the Northern Alliance is readying themselves to come down on Israel like a whirlwind. But will we see this develop? And as we've said earlier in the program, only time will tell. But certainly the group of in, or the individuals that are coming together to form the new administration though thus far uh, are an incredible group of people, really, as far as the prophecies are concerned. And that's what matters. It's not so much what... Uh, they have said on this issue or that issue. The question is specifically, what, are they, what position do they have as far as Israel is concerned? Can we see the purpose of God being furthered by this administration? And I think ultimately the answer would be yes. If as far as building in the mountains of Israel is the work of Almighty God, then yes. And so we can't leave the program without 
hearing from one last gentleman by the name of Mike Governor. He's a governor, and Mike Huckabee. Now, we can't end the program without hearing from one last gentleman, Governor Mike Huckabee. And this is somebody that, honestly, you don't expect them to be in government when, when they speak like this, but maybe that's just because I'm coming from uh, a childhood in Canada where religion certainly isn't uh, spoken about at this, uh, at this level in politics. But I'm going to let you listen to Mike Huckabee, and I have to uh, thank my nephew, Paul Barnes, for actually sending this over to me. I think it's I it's it's going to go down as one of my favorite clips uh, of people but uh, I'll let you hear uh, Governor Huckabee for yourself. And one of the greatest treasures God has given is a land that he for whatever reasons chose for his land. A special place. Now to be honest with you if you Visit Israel for the first time, sometimes you're going to look around and say, okay, it's not the trees. What is it? But I can also tell you that it is a land that is no longer barren. It is a land in which the dry bones have come alive. It is a land in which the desert is now blooming. It's an extraordinary place because it is a place where God has put his hand. And the scripture tells us that those who bless Israel will be blessed and those who curse Israel will be cursed. A nation's relationship to Israel is not political. It's biblical. And I don't believe God ever, ever breaks a covenant that he makes. And he made a covenant. And he says that if we bless Israel, we'll be blessed. If we curse Israel, we'll be cursed. Has that expired? I say no. I think that clip is honestly so epic. And if, if Almighty God is looking down and he wants, he wants to find a politician that is going to speak for his people and is going to help move a nation toward rebuilding his land... This guy's your man. So I don't know. I mean, he's already been in key positions as far as Trump has concerned, been concerned thus far. But I don't know where he's going to land, and this is still early days. So we can now watch this together. But if God's looking for a tool, this this is this is your man. So honestly, at the end of all these, I go we go through these clips. I, I just feel excited. I think that we're on the edge of something huge. What it's going to be exactly, I don't know. 1917, we had the um, Balfour Declaration and the liberation of the land from the Turk. 1967, we had the liberation of Jerusalem from um, the Arabs. And here we are in 2017. This is truly uh, an incredible time to be, to be living. And we're seeing things unfolding which the holy prophets have spoken about since the world began. And so I think we can be so thankful to see these things and our prayer should be for the true peace to come to the nation of Israel, that it will be turned into the kingdom of Israel and that the Messiah would soon come. We are in monumental times.
And these are the moments that we can take to build each other up and to exhort one another as we see the day approaching. And so we'll leave it there and we'll leave the last words to the new Vice President of the United States, uh, Mike Pence. Thanks for listening and come again next week. As Israel shows the world how to turn scarcity into plenty, sickness into health, poverty into wealth, as Israel takes the curses, the slanders, and lies of the world and turns them into blessings, the real question is how could any good person not stand with Israel? Let the word go forth from Jerusalem, the eternal undivided capital of the Jewish people and the Jewish state, that Donald Trump and I are proud to stand with Israel. The American people are proud to stand with Israel. And should Donald Trump and I have the privilege of serving this great nation? If the world knows nothing else, the world will know this. America stands with Israel.